this is the Fizzcast coming at you on a Thursday night. Tyler Rocky alongside Tim Leonard. Tim joining us over FaceTime from the great state of North Carolina. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing good. Ready for round two of uh, this remote FaceTime FizzCast and uh, ready to talk all about Syracuse after kind of an ugly win, but they got the job done, and I'm, I'm starting to believe a little bit, Tyler. Ock, oh, no, they roped you in. Just a little bit. Yep, they roped, roped you in. in. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Syracuse, again, like you mentioned, Tim, coming off a big 60-56 to win over Arizona State. We'll get to that in just a little bit, but first be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, all the good social media stuff. We're also on iTunes, Orange Fizz. You'll get all the latest content from us. And I'll actually be down in Detroit. I'm heading out tomorrow morning, so I'll have you covered down in the round of 64 from the Little Caesars Arena down in Detroit. I haven't been to Detroit yet, so I'm I'm actually very intrigued of what I'm going to find there. Yeah. Have you been I there before? That... Any warnings? Isn't that Little Caesars like right downtown? Too? I think it's that... very new. Yeah, because it's replacing. Yeah, it replaced the palace. That's where the the Pistons play now, and I don't I don't know what to expect. I really don't know. Even though I'm yeah, from I've the never Midwest, been either I've never been anywhere I've... except for the Detroit airport, which is a top five airport really? by yeah. the way. So I'm kind of yeah. I'm pretty excited no, to fly into DTW tomorrow. I've heard mixed reviews, but I'm sure I'm sure they'll put on a good show, especially being a new arena and everything. But it's cool to go to new places. That that'll be fun. Yeah. Get my get my U.S. passport stamped, or get <laughs> check another one off the box. Anyways, yeah, um, couple of big things we have to talk about in this, and we'll start right away. First of all, Syracuse, I don't think they looked that good in this game, but no, they you can tell well. <laughs> you can tell this was a game between two teams that really didn't belong there, and that's kind of why they were in that play-in game was because. The committee was like, oh, they're they're good enough to be in, but they're not good enough to – one of them has to prove themselves. So yeah. this is perfect. Let's just have them go up against each other. And they did nothing but prove that uh, for the entire 40 minutes of this game. And really for Syracuse, there was one offensive spurt the entire game, and it came right at the end. Um, when it overcame, I think it was a seven-point deficit. You got some big shots down the stretch. Yep. Tyus Battle hits that big three. And then from there on out, it, it was pretty much all Syracuse, even though, I mean, Arizona State was going on these massive scoring droughts, which is super uncharacteristic for them. But yeah. at the same time, I think you really got to tip your hat to the Syracuse defense. But seriously, there was no offense from Syracuse. It, no, it was painful no. to watch. I, I think – we were proven right that Arizona State, when we said they should have been in the tournament, they proved that on Wednesday night because they just couldn't put the ball in the ocean. And like you said, it was partially because of that Syracuse D. I just felt like in the second half, the only player that scored for them was Cody Justice for like the final 10 minutes right. of the game. And from a Syracuse fan, it was literally, you know, from that perspective, just get out on Cody Justice. Just make sure he's not got a clean look for three and – let someone else beat you because, you know, they do have a good offense on paper, but that was in the Pac-12, and obviously they were a little stymied by an ACC defense when they saw it. I think 
The biggest takeaway, though, has to be O'Shea Brissett. When you mentioned that scoring spurt they had when they're down seven, he was the only guy that really stepped up until Tyus Battle hits that three. But in that little drought there, and in the midpoint of the second half when the game was starting to slip away, it wasn't really – Frank Howard wasn't clicking. He was really slow and sluggish after scoring two threes right out of the gates. And O'Shea Brissett, if he doesn't play like he did last night, then Syracuse is back in their bags. He was phenomenal. I think the whole thing, too, with the offense was that Tyus Battle was so dormant at times, it seemed like. I mean, he did have 15 points, but there were large stretches where he went without a basket. Same thing with Frank Howard. I think he went, like, almost 30 minutes of the game without any points. He had that big stretch where he had eight out of the gate, but then was just absolutely silent for pretty much the remainder of the game. Yeah, he didn't look like himself. Right. And you could maybe attribute that to the strep throat or whatever. You're missing practice time. You're not up to speed, all that stuff. Again, conditioning. And for a guy who's playing 40 minutes a night, you can't really expect a lot out of a guy who's missing time. But when you look at what Syracuse did, the fact that the offense played so poorly and you still shut down one of the top offensive teams in the entire country in Arizona State, kind of a telltale sign for me that I trust the offense more to kick into gear over these next couple of games in the tournament if Syracuse can put together some sort of run than I do the offense, or rather the defense, having some letdown nights down the road. Yeah. Yeah, I think if they have a bad night from their defense, that's more worrisome for sure. If they, you know, won this game and it was like, oh, Tyus Battle just had an offensive explosion, the defense couldn't get it together, but they somehow outdueled Arizona State in an offensive battle, I'd be more scared. But at least we know now that the defense is translating to the NCAA tournament, and that 2-3 zone is deadly no matter what conference you're going against or whatever. TCU is going to be a different animal for sure, but it definitely proved – it gave that defense a little more credibility to go into the tournament and hold a team to that low of an output. I mean, just 56 points from Arizona State, and it felt like they were scrapping and clawing, and even when they were making shots, they were tough contested threes a lot of times. So – we can't, We have to address the elephant in the room, and you and I kind of touched on this at the end of our last we podcast. We kind of did. By the way, I, I went and listened back to our entire Arizona State podcast. We hit everything on the head. Yeah, we nailed. We're pretty everything. good at our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Get us a raise. Um, but with with Arizona State, and I said it at the end, O'Shea Brissett played out of his mind. He put himself on the map. I had a bunch of people who aren't really well-versed in Syracuse text me, hey, like, who's this O'Shea Brissett kid? He looks pretty good. And I was like, yeah, yeah. he is pretty good. Um, yeah. I've called him the next Jimmy Butler, and I've even asked him, and he says he's a big fan of Jimmy Butler's game. I could totally see that translating at the next level for him. Now, he plays out of his mind. Another double-double for him. 23 points, 12 rebounds, solid from three, three of eight. Efficient from the floor, 7 of 15. He has one or two more games like this. I think he could very well work his way. I can hear Adam Silver pretty much call his name. Yeah, no, you've been on that train all year, really. And this has been a trend. The past five or six games, he's kicked it to another gear. I was actually watching the game with a couple people that had no knowledge, kind of like you said, a couple people that weren't Syracuse fans or anything. And they were like, 
so what's your team about? What are they, you know, what are they known for? And I was like, well, Tyus Battles are our best player. And O'Shea hit a couple big shots in the second half, and they were like, oh, like, that that's your go-to guy that's going to the draft, right, that you were talking about earlier? But, you know, O'Shea really did look like a pro waiting in the wings last night. And he's he's got that type of game that, I, I don't know, I, I have more – I can see him translating to the pros almost just as much as Tyus Battle. I know he might be a little more raw at this point, but just because he's got the size to go with the way he shoots the jumper, it just looks a little more pretty to me. So I think he's got more of like a professional modern game right now than Battle does. And the thing that kind of hurt too, I think, is Syracuse playing in this first four because you think about it, that's the only game on. So everyone's watching it. Everyone's eyes are glued to the TV the nation's watching you're seeing all these experts come out and and say stuff i was seeing things from some big uh college basketball writers on twitter some nba guys on twitter really complimenting o'shea Brissett's game and how he could be a, a high lottery pick in 2019 let alone maybe a, a draft pick in 2018 but now I, I think that really hurt them playing in the first four because that's kind of one of the backlashes that everyone's watching everyone's picking up on o'shea Brissett now as opposed to if you're, say, playing in this jumble of games, say like a, a, something like today where there's a, a bunch of games at 7 o'clock and yeah. people are channel surfing, they're not really paying attention, and if they are picking just one game, they're probably not picking Syracuse because the Orange has not been a good team really this year, N- not a team that you're going to go out of your way to watch, especially given the brand of basketball where it's pretty much all defense and no offense. I think the, the times that people have seen Syracuse on TV, you think like Duke, where they lay an absolute egg. Yeah, they had some entertaining <laughs> moments with a, a Miami, Louisville, UNC, but there are some pretty flat, flat performances. And whenever you see on Twitter people talk about Syracuse, it's usually not complimentary. It's just like they want to gouge their eyes out while they watch this team offensively, and they can't yeah. stand it. You know, I think – well, a couple things. One – Yes, it was a first four game, and there's more eyeballs on them, but I still think Syracuse, they need to beat TCU and go on more of a run for it to be really a talking point and really become like a real thing like it was for Malachi Richardson. You need to get to at least two more games, I'd say. I think if he puts up a big performance against TCU, and then even if they lose to Michigan State, assuming Michigan State wins their first-round game, and he has another big performance against Michigan State, then I think he's rising up draft boards to the point where it's a real possibility. And and then the other thing is, you know, there's still a chance that, that he doesn't go, obviously, even if he's a second-round pick. There's a lot of guys coming in next year. We know this team's going to be good next year, so maybe he says, I'm just going to improve my stock even more next year, and I'll go when I'm guaranteed to be a first-round pick. Because right now it might be too little too late for him to get to the first round, Although, if he keeps, I mean, I'd say to get to even close to the lottery, it's too little too late. But second round is definitely a possibility just the way he's been playing of late and obviously doing it in front of that many eyes last night. I, it, it certainly doesn't help that the Raptors are playing so well. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, remember, he announced his decision to come to Syracuse on a Raptors broadcast. You also have, I mean, the, the Canadian thing too. And the Raptors are one of the best teams in the NBA. If they're sitting at that, what, 28, 29 spot maybe? <laughs> it's tempting. That, that's that's it hard to pass up. Sense. It's hard to yeah. pass up if you're O'Shea Yeah, Bissette. I mean, I think 
he's a, I really do see – it seems like some of these Syracuse guys lately – you know, Michael Carter-Williams had a good rookie season. Dion Waiters has obviously been pretty good lately. I feel like some of them haven't quite translated. We're still waiting for Malachi Richardson to maybe get some more minutes. But I really do see O'Shea Brissett. He just looks like a pro to me, more than any of these guys of recent memory. Even Tyler Lydon last year. I think he'll make it. I think he'll be, you know, have a pretty long NBA career. I'm not saying that. These guys have underperformed or anything, but O'Shea, I think, is just on a little bit of a different level. And, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that he, if he were to jump to the NBA next year, he'd see more success than Malachi Richardson. I just think he has more potential, given his size, his length, and his shooting touch. All that together is just its a good combination. It looks like an NBA forward. Yeah, he's been unbelievable shooting the ball down the stretch. And the thing with O'Shea Brissett for me is, if I think, I mean, I haven't checked any draft boards since last night. I don't know how often people are updating them at this time of year, but the way I see it is you put together one more good game against TCU, you're entering your name. You put together two more good games, you're probably signing an agent. Yeah. no, Especially if it comes against Michigan State. It's a very real possibility that he at least, you know, enters his name in the draft. Maybe he does that thing where you enter and come right. back out mm-hmm. and just test the waters a little bit and why wouldn't he and i think he could get pretty good reviews at the combine as well yeah if he can show off a good three-point stroke yeah if he can show off a good three-point stroke at the combine it's it'd be scary it really would be right and so much of this is it's just crazy because tyus battle obviously it's not you know, set in stone or a lock that he's going either. Right now, I've seen him everywhere from late first round to middle of second round and even some in the low 20s. So it's still too early really to get a complete gauge on what he's going to be and where he'd be taken if he did leave. But that would make a huge difference. Just think, if if Syracuse gets battle and Brissett back next year, they could be a top 10, top 15 preseason team. And if they don't get, if both of those guys leave, maybe you're looking at, a borderline top 25 team and obviously just a completely different offensive game plan and having those two guys versus not having those two guys, just a big difference. So that's, that's kind of the one big thing to watch as Syracuse maybe makes a run here. That could be kind of the downside to this whole thing is that those two guys improving their sock. All right. Any last O'Shea thoughts, any last Arizona state thoughts before we move on to TCU? No, I'm ready to move on to Jamie Dixon. Bring it on. <laughs> I don't think Jim Beheim's ready Jim's to move ready. on. <laughs> Get ready, Jim. Um, yeah. So let's just say it out of the gate. Uh, Jamie Dixon absolutely owns Jim Beheim. 15 and 6, I believe, is his record against yep. Beheim. You look at some of these other coaches, they, a lot of them don't have more than like eight wins against Beheim, but Jamie Dixon just knows <laughs> the secret. I don't get it. Do you think Beheim was like pumped when he saw Jamie Dixon in the second round and was like, no, oh, I'll get another he crack thought, at him? Or? No, Jim Beheim definitely thought, okay, Jamie Dixon's going to the Big 12. I'll never have to see him again. Yeah. And then, oh, crap. <laughs> That's so now true. I get him in the second round of the tournament, or I guess it's the first round of the tournament. I get him in my second game of an unlikely tournament run. <laughs> this just, right. you can't script this like this. To say that the NCAA doesn't set up narratives is a crock of you-know-what. Um, I... I would set the over-under on the amount of times we hear the 15-6 and six stat tomorrow night in the broadcast at, like, five or six. I feel like that's just yeah. going to be – it'll be at, right off the top. They're going to just keep nailing that home. It's, it just right from the start, that's going to be a big narrative for sure. Yeah. 
So there, that's the one thing you need to know about this. And remember, too, that's 15 and 6, including the NS buzzer beater. So it really could be 16 and 5. Right, and it's not like... I mean, Pitt had a couple one seeds in that time period with Dixon. He was a great coach, don't get me wrong. He got him to the tournament consistently. I think I saw 11 of 13 years he was at Pittsburgh. They made it to the tournament, so... That's remarkable, but I feel like Syracuse, that was kind of like, they had a good stretch too, kind of like the golden days from like 2008 to maybe 2014 when they had that Ennis team that hit that buzzer beater that year. And that stretch of games, like Syracuse should have been beating Pitt for a bulk of that stretch, and the record's still that way. It's not like Pitt has been really good or much better than Syracuse or you're matching up Syracuse to Duke, and it's kind of unfair because Duke has more talent most of the time. It's it's alarming because they were pretty equal. Of, if anything, Syracuse had more talent in that time period. So aside from Jamie Dixon, here's what we need to know about TCU. First of all, they're one of their best players, if not their best player, done for the year. Uh, Jalen Fisher, who I like to call the my player because he just looks like an NBA 2K my player. <laughs> he looks like when you're starting your my player, that's the guy they give you. Jalen Fisher. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he's really good, though. They, yeah. They've struggled since he's left the lineup. So that is, that's definitely of note. What are they, 10 and 11 since he's been out? They yep, start 10. out the year and then yeah, they, they kind of went on a bit of a decline and then they actually kind of turned it up. They won four in a row before entering – the Big 12 tournament, or four or five before entering that Big 12 tournament and then losing to Kansas State in the first round. He's a pretty good team. So they've been trending up, but overall, since they've lost Fisher, they've been a little bit of a decline overall. Yeah, pretty shaky ever since the My Player went out. Now, with with Fisher, you got to remember, uh, point guard, I mean, he really is the one that distributes the ball well for this team, but he's not alone. <laughs> TCU, second in the nation with nearly 19 assists per game. And when you think of what Jamie Dixon does so well and why he can have so much success against a guy like Bayheim, it obviously falls back to what? The 2-3 zone. Attacking that 2-3 zone. And how do you do it? You move the ball around. TCU. Yeah, that scares me. That if scares TCU can move the yeah. ball around, get some high post action, it's going to be a long night for Jim Bayheim, especially when a team like the Horned Frogs, also a pretty good three-point shooting team, too. Yeah, no. So Arizona State, it's funny. It seemed like when they scored, they like actually figured out how to you know, attack the zone. And basically all it was was just you know, cuts at the right time, good bounce passes. It all stems from passing. You got to get it to the high post, and then the high post guy looks for the baseline or he looks for the, you know, the corner three. There's so many options, so... That's the scary part. I think that's why Jamie Dixon's had so much success against Syracuse in the past is because his teams are always really good at passing, and that's how you beat the zone, as you said. It'll be interesting to see, too, who I think TCU was going to be more prepared for. I think Jamie Dixon, in the back of his mind, really thought he was going to get Arizona State because, quite frankly, if yesterday turned into a shootout, it would have heavily favored the Sun Devils, and certainly not the Orange. And I think Jamie Dixon maybe kind of thought that was going to happen, so he was a little more prepared for that. And also because he's got the background on Syracuse already, so maybe a little more prepared. Maybe Syracuse can kind of catch him off guard here. Um, But Yeah, 
It's important to note, though, that, like, yes, he has the background, but it's not like some of these guys, like, when we won against Pitt or when Syracuse won against Pitt in the past, it's guys like Lamar Patterson or four-year guys that had, had experience playing against the zone. The Big 12 doesn't play a lot of zone. The Pac-12 plays the a lot The Big 12 doesn't play a lot of defense in general. No. Well, that that's fair, too. <laughs> that's also true. But it's not like these TCU guys are – knowledgeable against the zone which was maybe that helped jamie dixon's record out a little yeah, bit as these fit guys and the players he had they, it's not like he has that on his side as well this time so the other guy or well i guess the first guy that we'll we'll tell you about in this one that you need to know about vladimir brodzinski one of their best scorers actually a fellow slovak so mark dolezal can actually talk smack to someone on the floor maybe um <laughs> But one that, of like six in the nation, yeah, right? Mm-hmm, one of yeah, the another one. That this is the second one Mark's facing because Michael Chakovsky from Maryland, also from Slovakia. So I actually wrote a piece and I was like, ah, oh, he'll face Chakovsky and he'll probably never face another one of these guys throughout his collegiate career. And boom, he gets two in one year. Um, yeah. But <laughs> he he's very talented. He can shoot it from the outside. A big reason why TCU is so successful from behind the arc. And just the way that he can kind of stretch the floor, I think that could really pose a problem for Syracuse because, again, you're not going to ask a guy like Pascal Chukwu to kind of play up and out, and Syracuse is really going to have to contain the three ball in this game if they want to win. And quite frankly, Syracuse did a pretty good job, especially volume-wise, given what the Sun Devils did, 11 of 32 last game um, in shooting the three. So I think you'll take that if you're Syracuse. If you can kind of bait TCU into taking that again especially if you're going to dominate on the offensive boards or on the defensive boards rather I think you'll take that if you're Jim Beheim. yeah a lot of that was just too Arizona State was just settling a ton it felt like for those long threes from like NBA range but I think the TCU team the difference is they have actually got some size and they're just a little more of a smart offensive team they're they're not going to settle for as many threes they'll they still like to shoot the three and they've got some good shooters but you look at, just compared to Arizona State, they've got way more size. So it's important for guys like Pascal Chukwu, Mark Dolezal, obviously, first and foremost, stay out of foul trouble. Right. But also, they've got to make sure, it's going to be tougher for them to get rebounds. Last game, they kind of, you know, manhandled the rebounding just based on size. It wasn't like they were doing anything abnormal. This game, you might have to put more emphasis on rebounding, just because TCU's got three or four guys that are in the six eleven range that can compete with on the block and, and get a lot of boards. It'll be certainly a challenge on the rebounding side, but I think that the one thing that Syracuse really needs to key in on is getting <laughs> Tyus Battle going early on. I mean, yeah. that that's, that's going to be a big thing for however long Syracuse goes in this tournament because, again, the dry spells offensively aren't going to last. I don't think we're going to see another 20-point 12 rebound performance out of O'Shea Brissett because that's just unbelievable. I think I saw something. He's the fourth ever Syracuse freshman with a double-double in a tournament game. Wow. And the other guys were like Carmelo Anthony, Billy Owens, and the other name is escaping me, but it was someone pretty good. And It's good company. Yeah, it's pretty good company. But, yeah, again, you got to get battle going early, and you also got to stay out of foul trouble because – Yesterday, Syracuse got kind of lucky that Arizona State just settled for threes and wasn't attacking. Yes, Chukwu, I think it's going to be different. Chukwu picked up the early fouls. Brissett was getting some early fouls. He actually even came out of the game because of it, too. 
So that's when you, you kind of know that this is where you can really exploit Syracuse because they're so thin. And the fact that Arizona State went away from that, I don't think Jamie Dixon's making that same mistake. Yeah, no, I think foul trouble is going to be more of a problem. And not only do you have to get battle going, you've got to get Frank Howard going. Hopefully the strep throat is a day better. And I think all getting that. the and one game under you really helps too. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And just getting back in that groove. So, I mean, if you think about it, they pretty much got an A-plus O'Shea Brissett performance. Probably, what, a, a B, B-plus Tyus Battle performance? Yeah, that three at the end, I'll say, pushes it to the B-plus. Yeah, yeah. And then Frank was maybe a C-plus or a C. A lot of turnovers. And Bayon yeah. said it too, that this team, or with Frank Howard, he was not at his finest and kind of lucky, really, that Syracuse was able to win with a, a yeah, poor Yeah, so that's Frank what I'm Howard saying. You can beat an Arizona State team maybe with that type of performance from your big three, but we know it's not a, a recipe for success. You've got to have all three of those guys in at least the B-plus range. And Frank Howard, obviously, is the guy that you're looking at for a bounce-back performance, especially after the turnovers and just the lack of scoring. He just needs to be – he's the guy on this team with the most tournament experience. He's the guy that leads this offense. He's got to play better. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, coming into this game – or into yesterday's game, the only other person with any tourney experience was Pascal Chukwu. He got three minutes in a game for Providence in that lone season he was yeah. there. So – just kind of shows you. And it's crazy to think, too, Frank Howard, the most tournament experience on this team. I know. He I plays know. a minimal role to. on a Final Four team. But, hey, it counts for something. He played in that Final Four game, so he knows what it's like yeah. out there. Um, I don't yeah, necessarily also, have the numbers, but I don't think TCU would have a lot of experience in the final yeah. or in the NCAA tournament. No, this is this is first time since 1998 I think they've been in the tournament. Really? Okay. And props to Jamie Dixon for that. He's done a really good job with this team. and Won the NIT proving, last year. Yeah, further proving that I think he's uh, one of the most underrated coaches in the country. And also, I just feel bad for the Pittsburgh fan base that they went, <laughs> went from him to from Kevin Dixon Stall. From Dixon to Stallball. Yeah. And I'm no Tom Crean to now, a, too. Take a quick shot at them real quick. Well, I can. But I, I think – I think there's no doubt that Jamie Dixon's obviously done a really good job with this team. Also, just real quick, I'd say Frank Frank Howard obviously has to have a good game. I, I want to see more from Mark Dolja and Matthew Moore and Pascal Chukwu. I was looking for them. I thought Chukwu really could have had a, a, not, not a breakthrough game because it's late in the season, but he had the opportunity with the size advantage last game, and he just couldn't get it going. He looked a little nervous, and he did hit some big free throws down the stretch, but They've got to be more aggressive and more active if Syracuse wants to win this. They need more of a complete team performance on offense. You can't just rely on one guy this time around. I think this really could be a Matthew Moyer type game. And I've said this a couple times this year. I've been right sometimes. I've been wrong sometimes. But yep. when you're going up against a team that's big like TCU, you're going to need the the filled out bodies. And Mark Dolezal just simply doesn't give you that. Matthew Moyer can. He's a lot stronger than a guy like Dolajai is. He can bang bodies down there. He just has to be smart. He has to know what his role yeah. is offensively. He's and get it's to minutes. pass the ball to other people. He didn't get minutes last game because, like you said, there wasn't really much of a foul trouble problem. But I think we both agree, whether it's Sidibe, whether it's Chuku, whether it's Dolajai, Brissett, whoever, someone's going to get in foul trouble just because TCU is going to be attacking more and Quite frankly, I feel like the refs have been blowing a lot of whistles in the NCAA tournament yeah, so I was far. About so to I say. don't see, I don't see how you know Syracuse avoids the foul trouble bug completely. So Moyer is going to get minutes, and 
if he just plays hard, he it could be a Matthew Morgan game. I, I could see that happening just because he kind of shows up when you're least expecting him, honestly. Off that note, did you watch NC State and Seton Hall? I watched I watched it briefly. I okay. caught first off, the first half was just wild. Like, Talk about please. the refs taking things into their own hands. Five players fouled out. The second half. Five players fouled out. Um oh, wow. NC State was in the double that. bonus in like nine minutes. It it was that was the longest game of basketball I think I've ever watched. It oh, it was no. just whistle after whistle. They couldn't go a single possession without blowing their whistles. And that's saying something, because there's been several Syracuse games this year where I felt like I was sitting in front of the TV for four and a half hours. <laughs> they, they've dragged on, I thought. But if that if that's longer than some of those, then that's saying something. All right. Any last TCU thoughts? No, I mean, I'd say I'd say it's going to be close. I I'm The Jamie Dixon games finish. are always competitive. Yeah. Bayheim Dixon, I mean, always exactly. competitive. Dixon usually it, wins. Right. It might be one of the, it might be the type of thing where Syracuse ends up losing by eight or something just based on some free throws and how that's how it shakes out. But I don't see TCU firmly controlling this game. I I'm not gonna say that, you know, Syracuse is gonna win. I think TCU's just got more options, more weapons, and it's they're just a way better team than Arizona State at the end of the road. But at the same time, they've kind of been trending down like Arizona State, too. So we'll see. I, I think Syracuse, if they piece it together, if they get a big game from battle, it's definitely definitely a possibility. Yeah, I think the only way Syracuse wins this game is if the big three combines for 65 and Howard is under three turnovers. Yeah. I think it's going to be close, but I'm, I'm going to take TCU in this one. It'll be close. Yeah, though. it. I don't see how this game's going to get into the 70-point range. I just feel like... TCU's just got a better offense and with Jamie Dixon at the helm and everything. So then it just comes down to can Syracuse score because they really just didn't score enough. If they put up a performance like they did against Arizona State offensively, I think it's going to get ugly. But I I think they'll improve a little bit, and Frank will have a better game. We'll see. They're going to need a more complete performance for sure. All right, that's Tim Leonard. You can find him on Twitter at Tim underscore Leonard4. I'm Tyler Rocky at Tyler Rocky underscore. Again, you can find us also online, orangefizz.net. Syracuse and TCU coming up tomorrow night, about a 940 tip. We'll have you covered on our Twitter account at orangefizz, so be sure to check us out there. We'll have live tournament updates down at the Little Caesars is it Arena Palace? I don't know. It's Detroit. They, they can cares? do. They call their hockey stadium what the Joe, or at least they used to. So, yeah, so many uh, weird names down there. Really, really excited to go experience Detroit for the first time. We'll see. I'll report back. We'll talk on a on a Fizzcast coming up. Whether Syracuse wins yeah, or loses. Give me your reviews. I'm yeah. Looking forward. I I just the fact that everything's sponsored by Little Caesars kind of sketches me out. Yeah, Little Caesars. <laughs> Not a great brand. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's cheap. It, it's inexpensive. It's it's not the highest quality ever. But some of these arenas just have crazy names. But that's a whole other. I mean, the KFC Yum Smoothie King. They're just getting weirder by the by the year. I think. Like. I think there's one named after like a massage place too. I I don't know, like a massage envy or something. <laughs> All right, that's Tim Leonard. I'm Tyler Rocky. We'll talk soon, Fizz Nation.